Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm your host of podcast, Talk Architecture. And today's topic is a reflection on the identity of an architect. And I'm using myself to think about things which you may connect with and you find similar thoughts and reflections because you were trained as an architect. Maybe I, I'm um, born much earlier than you or maybe I have a different journey and cultural background and so on. But there are some things that we all have to negotiate or some similar challenges that we have to go through. Well, I come to this point where I'm not really bothered by calling myself an architect, even though I'm not registered or a professional architect. The reason why I'm not really bothered is, um, is because it's an identity. It's not about um, it's in my mind. It's not about um, something that I have to do with other people. Um, obviously, I can't uh, submit drawings uh, to the local authority because I'm I'm not registered and I have to do that with other people. But apart from that, in terms of the legalities of it, apart from the that legality aspect of it, I'm able to design, I'm able to service, um, uh, provide services to people if they want to buy my services because I was trained as an architect and so therefore I'm a graduate architect until this age. But of course, much of my um, experience is in academia. You know, a substantial amount of experience is also in activism disability activism, but that's another story. It may merge with the identity of the architect, but we have many identities. I think if you're fairly new to the game, um, as a 20-year-old-ish, 30s, um, even 40-year-olds, it's a struggle to actually understand yourself in terms of your identity or finding yourself. Now, um, I, I, I know that you would argue with me any of my points and just hear me out uh, with regard to the word identity. I don't usually use the word identity before because I don't understand what that was, especially when I was in my 20s or 30s. Even in my 40s, yeah. I, I only recently understand about the dis, dis, disabled person identity that I embraced recently. And not because um, I have a, uh, a card, an identity card registered with the welfare department in Malaysia that says I'm a physically disabled person. It's not because of that. It's, it's because... I understand what power struggles are, and I understand what struggles with um, um, 
politics uh, and such dynamics that happen between human beings living or working together. And I mean, I understand more about mental health more than ever. And hence, that's why uh, I'm also coaching um, mid-level architects on how to cope with their mental health balance. How to achieve mental health balance um, in their professional life. So, yeah, going back into identities. The first is you were born and then you're part of a family. Maybe you're the eldest. Maybe you're the daughter or the son. Um, maybe there is no parent or there is one, one parent or two parents. You know, when I say there's no parent, meaning there's grandparent um, or a guardian. And you are just took responsibilities that is given to you to deal with. For some of us, we have problem to deal with some of them. Some of those responsibilities, but it's part of life to, as you grow older, you're taking responsibilities, at least for yourself, to get yourself to school, to learn, to study, or maybe to learn a trade, or you're not keen on academia, maybe you, you work on your own. So there is some sort of identity there, where you identify yourself as a student, you identify yourself as a son or a daughter, Later on, you identify yourself as somebody's um, best friend or good friend and and so on, you know, as a worker, a staff in an office. And the identity of an architect is, is as general as the rest of those identities that I mentioned to you, but you pursued architecture. And if you did not really want to be an architect and somehow you thought it was a good idea and you actually graduated to be an architect but later on you decided to go into being a, a contractor or a builder I mean you can identify yourself as a builder but it is up to you to identify what you want you decide to identify what you want you can Go through your whole life doing architecture as architecture or the business provides financial stability, but you don't identify yourself as, a, as an architect. Maybe you d d identify yourself as, as a business person, and, but not an architect. Because the word architect associate with design or maybe something that you don't like that's fundamental to the nature of who is an architect that you have learned before. I identify myself as an architect because of my love for architecture education. I don't identify myself as, a, as an academic. I do love learning, lifelong learning, you know? And um, I love the fact that I, I'm still learning and tr still investing my money on doing some, learning something new at this age. 
and I'll keep on learning because I didn't think that I was going to do this at this age, being a business person at this moment. And it's kind of like I am being challenged to identify myself as a business person. But as an architect, I have always identified myself as an architect. And the magical moment was when I was in the second year, when I started to like architecture. I mean, I, I went into studying architecture because of my mother, but it wasn't until the second year when I actually started liking the things to do with architecture, that is drawing and designing and so on. There were times when it was difficult to be, to identify as an architect. So that part of being a designer or thinking that I'll be an architect, but of course I went to academia, but I still think myself as an architect and maybe I identify myself as a teacher, not necessarily as an academic, because to me, an academic has, is so presumptuous in a way that I'm sorry if you think that I'm being silly or being um, critical or maybe even rude um, to say that being an academic uh, is being political, but it is. In this day and time, when you go to um, working at a university, you have to deal with so many, um, you know, so many intricate uh, gameplay or um, it is not as straightforward as it looks from outside if you want to be an academic. It hasn't always been like that because earlier on in, in the year 1991 when I first became an assistant um, architect, architectural lecturer, an assistant architectural lecturer, I just graduated at that time. I didn't have my master's yet. So, but I, I led um, the studio programs and I took all the um, all the um, responsibilities of, of all the other academics were doing as well in in, t- in leading a studio program, um, third year, second year. And when I was there for three years. It was a great time of learning. It wasn't necessarily a, a great stint out there in Johor Bahru, which is not far from Kuala Lumpur, uh, far from where my family was, and on my own, and I, I, I didn't have a car, and I had to stay in, um, in what do you call it, one of those hostels and be a, a fellow so that I can have accommodation and I don't have to stay outside. I mean, all sorts of survival that I need to do, but I only had to deal with myself and I only had to deal with the job at hand. I didn't have to deal with politics. It's much later when politics come into play, when there are KPIs, key performance indicators, when there are, um, when university becomes businesses which is what's happening now. Universities are businesses. And I wonder how the Malaysian government, they say that they're gonna uh, reform universities. I mean, yeah, you have the same peoples working there, 
and they were thought about the game that they have to play when um, they are, you know, when uh, when they are uh, in uh, in a department of architecture. Well, I don't know about private universities. I'm sure there is more. Um, what do you call it? Um, you have to buck up if not you get kicked out or something. It's much more easier. But in public universities, you have tenure, the equivalent of that, uh, where you kind of be around you know, the universities for a long time. So I was there until to, for 25 years in a particular university. It wasn't so much political until when they had key performance indicators. And um, it's not a, um, what do you call it? It's not healthy. It's not a healthy environment mentally. I could say that now, having been retired, and I could say it again. I mean, I, I, I needed to say it now because I think that the identity of the academic is not for me. I may have to say that I was an academic, I was in academia, I was teaching, but I don't identify being academic. I like writing. I, I really, I was happy writing all those publications, uh, especially publications that are helpful and I, and I was involved with a lot of my postgraduates publications and I enjoyed those research um, that I got and, and assisted others with. But the best was doing the program with students and um, coaching and mentoring students. Even until now I do coach and mentor uh, people. So the identity of an academia is how a lot of people perceive it and how you act as an academic. It's something that I never appreciated. When I was the head of the department, I needed to do the job and meeting other people and dealing with things. It's just part of a job and responsibility. But that persona of an academic I prefer uh, the persona of a researcher or a writer. These are the three things that I identify and I put it in my bio. Artist, architect, and writer. Before we talk about identifying as an artist, <laughs> because people say, where's your work of art? Where? Okay, I will talk about that later. But I just want to talk about my identity is an architect. So I always regard myself as an architect ever since I was in, in school. And I wanted to be an architect in practice, um, a full-time job, but I went into academia. And there were other factors that affected that, but I never actually let go of being an, an architect. In fact, my during my sabbatical, uh, I would spend time in architecture office if I can. Um, in 2012, um, 
I work in a big company. Before that, there were five months working in a design and build company, and then I was then there was another four months maybe of working in the, in a big company, whom I had started working with before when I came back from the United Kingdom in 1991. But so I learned a lot by by just doing the sabbatical period, working in that office, um, as well as the previous office. I wanted to actually understand what contract implementation stages, and I was um, I was uh, lucky to be part of the team that was dealing with a project that's on site and being built, and I was doing a lot of details. I always liked doing details, working out the details from the basic drawings. I worked out the detailed design uh, and shop drawings, uh, helping the contractor with the shop drawings and stuff like that. Well, that's, to me, the best part of being an architect. Um, I think I would have loved doing a lot of things in architecture practice. Um, and being in a team, you have to engage with other people, talk to other people, find out so that you could... Um, when you do something, it's not uh, something that is on your own, you know, and the timing of it all. So, yeah, I identify myself as an architect. Until now, I still do podcasts on architecture. I meet architects. I don't see myself stopping anytime being an architect. And um, the identity of an architect is, is someone who loves collaboration, is being consulted upon with matters to do with architecture, which I am still being consulted upon. Even though it's universal design, my background or my understanding of architecture helps in getting the, well, the, to me, the best that I can in universal design solutions, for example. It is highly specialized. And um, other architecture topics would be theory of architecture, which I'm not teaching anymore, but I could still discuss theory of architecture with people. And um, of course, design and design thesis and architecture design curriculum, obviously. So, yeah, because I don't, I don't think that I'm an academic. I think that I'm an architect that I can appreciate um, learning of architecture very much. It is not a prescribed thing that you pick from a shelf. It's something that you need to constantly turn over and over to understand what is the concerns of people learning about architecture now. I mean, the young people who just went into architecture, what are their concerns? And they were asked to do certain projects and uh, the, the way or the method that they have to do it and how they present it. You know, the whole world of ideas. I mean, architects are not the only ones doing that. There are other designers as well that have a whole world of ideas. 
and concepts and, and design principles and, and, you know, anything from materials and construction to environmental science to all sorts of other shenanigans that we come up with. So we work in collaboration and that's the way to do it. And one of the things that younger uh, people who starting architecture would know, would need to know that is you work in collaboration, not on your own. Now these lead me to, we've got a few minutes more, that being an artist is also being a collaborator. I mean, artists, my goodness, you know, you can go from music to poetry to anything that has to do with creative expressions. I'm not talking about fine art per se, or even graphic art. I'm talking about anything that has to do with creative expressions, right to creative writing or writing uh, memoirs, even, you know, a writer is also an artist. But I like to separate them, a writer and an artist. Um, artists in general, I can review a lot of work of art. Um, and my favorite hobby is going to to an art gallery and just don't look at the title, looking at the abstract art and through the work, I will review it. The thing is, I'm not uh, artistically trained. I mean, I, I would just try to use the power of observation and the power of appreciating the details and how things are done, how things are illustrated and in the medium and suggest the meaning of it. I think it has to do with the fact that I teach theory of architecture as well, that I could look at concepts and theories underlying each work of art. Now, my favorite is films. Yeah. But I'm no filmmaker. I mean, uh, I, mean I love to review stuff. And I also like to um, review books. I mean, you know... That's the part where an academic does that, but not just any academic, but but someone who teach architecture or teach these courses that have to do with arts and humanities. That's why when people say that uh, architecture is social science or maybe science, you know, they don't get to arts and humanities anymore. That's what architecture is being um, being regarded now, you know, when. When academicians, which I don't identify with, start looking at teaching architecture or the learning processes, and purely from a scientific manner or way of looking at architecture, because you can see the evidence of them not thinking theory of architecture is important course anymore. You know, design theory is not that important a course anymore. Do you expect student of architecture to conjure something from science when architecture is a lot to do with sensibilities and subjectiveness? So the thing about why people learn about arts and humanities is the philosophical bearing of anything that you have, the conceptual uh, understanding with visualization 
and visioning something through your eyes. And you could always have robots doing that. And you could always turn architects into robots, right? I mean, people even think that architecture is one of those, um, shall we say, profession that could easily be overtaken by AI. Of course it can, if you regard architecture as purely objective. You can replicate whatever nicest building that you have seen, but is that the nicest building that you can identify as the best and nicest building and you can replicate everywhere else? Of course not, because it's to do with context, isn't it? To do with the orientation of the building to the sun or to the wind patterns, to the um, this the topography and the nature of the microclimate and the space and the people and the culture. You know, it's just a lot of interpretation. And architecture is that. Architecture is doing um, something that is extraordinary. It is not something that can be replicated by AI. Now I come to the point about the AI because I'm, I'm gonna, what I, what I decided to do is to mention AI in this uh, podcast episode. I didn't mention it earlier. Uh, it sounded like I'm talking about myself, but the identity of an architect and the use of AI. So if that was the topic that I set up to think that I was going to say, I didn't do that. I was thinking about the identity of, of an architect, but if I were to mention AI, artificial intelligence, now, are we having artificial intelligence um, in architecture now? I'm sure we have in all those softwares that we use that you could replicate or use the same template over and over again to save time and costs. Time into, uh, to save time so that you save costs if you're running a business. And why not? It seems to be a very good design, but we can always fall into the trap of not thinking about the context. And there is something wrong about not being able to be, not being able to be in control of a project and that you let, um, what do you say, chance happen or that you allow the uh, instrument to control, rather you're controlling the instrument. These are some things that architects have to contend with. Well, of course, we can go into that detail. Automation. Everything can be scaled, it can be automatized and scale up to get profits, to get more clients, obviously. And will that happen to architecture? It may be doing that right now, you know. There are a lot of architecture that we don't know why they design like that, as if an artificial intelligence design it, but not an architect. It feels so sterile, so inhumane, cold to the touch, nothing engaging or nothing 
surprising or nothing delightful with it. No, I'm not um, blaming it on computer-aided drawings. I mean, that, that discussion was then, you know, we're talking about artificial intelligence, robotics, and all sorts of other things that is happening or developing in terms of technology that is to do with, um, what do you call it, computerization? What other names now? There are many names. So we need to know them all. So in conclusion, this uh, episode, this episode is an episode to to ask questions about the architect and asking oneself whether one identifies an architect. One has a stance, or one has stance, or one take a stand um, in being that architect that one wants to be, and I. I still am very much an architect, and um, and I have my beliefs that are being um, illustrated with this podcast, and I enjoy interviewing a lot of other people who have other opinions, and this is necessary to keep the discussion going, the dialogue going. And thank you for listening to this podcast episode on the architect's identity and artificial intelligence. Best wishes.